0: time nor the space, a podcast about Doctor Who. My name is David, and as always, I am joined by the pent-up Matt. Hello there. Say pent-up, <laughs> I, I, I feel like I have to unpack this one, on. um, just, I was struggling, because we didn't have a specific episode to reference, but obviously we're doing our series five wrap-up, Yes. something like pent, like pentagonal, pent, okay. pent, yeah, I, I Th- these bits are just for me, really, I'm going to be honest. Yeah,
1: yeah, <laughs> no, I'll take that,
0: Okay. I'll take that. All right then. I mean, I'm certainly pent up. Lots to talk about this uh, this week. Yes. Yeah.
1: Series five, in general.
0: Yeah, it's an interesting series. You know, all change, all the same. You know, I've enjoyed it. Have you? Uh, Yeah, I'm going
1: to go out on a limb. Series five has been pretty good.
0: It's a strong one. I mean, we'll we'll, we'll, later on in the episode we'll do our like series rankings and see where it sits in relation to everything else. I think, but
1: if you exclude maybe the first two or three episodes. Mm. It's pretty much hit after hit, I would say. Mm.
0: That's an interesting opinion. Mm. We'll, we'll dig into that a little more in later on, I think. Yeah, lots to enjoy. But you know what? There's even more to enjoy than you realise. Okay. You know, I occasionally spring a little mini episode on you. Oh, I'm doing it. I'm doing it right at the top of the show today. Okay. So we're immediately going to pause, uh, listeners. If you're not, if you've never seen it before, we're about to watch the mini episode Space. Um, and uh, I'll put the link for that in the show notes for this episode. Okay. Space. Okay. Talk to you in a second. So, we just watched uh, part one of a two-part right. mini-episode.
1: Ah, see, I, I wondered whether that was like a teaser of... The next episode.
0: Yeah, it would have been an interesting setup there. So, mm. um, hopefully, um, everyone's paused the podcast if they've not already seen it and watched it themselves. Um, but, yeah, so that was a little thing they threw together for Red Nose Day.
1: Hark back to the finale with Amy's line of... Mm-hmm. This com- is where it gets complicated. This is where it gets
0: complicated. <laughs> yeah. And it's... The, I feel like that... and um, The same goes for the second half, which we'll watch later in this episode. Okay. Um... That is pure concentrated moffat right there. Right. That is just four minutes of just like the borderline sexist jokes. Yeah. <laughs> the, yeah. the yeah, the just the the, so, the the fast dialogue and then there's the ridiculous like high concept. So long story short,
1: thing. the TARDIS now exists within itself.
0: Yes, it's materialized inside itself somehow. And as we know, the outside
1: is relative to the
0: inside. Yeah. So if you step outside, you are you're, you're just re entering yeah. into the time. So, uh, as, as the doctor puts it, it's like a space loop. Yes. Like, it's even worse than a time loop. Yeah. Um, we've actually seen TARDIS materializing in each other before. Like, in the classic series, there's um, the Time Monster,
1: mm-hmm.
0: where the Doctor's. I forget which way round it is. Either the Master's TARDIS materializes inside the Doctor's, or the other way round. I can't so, remember which. I, I've
1: but... never seen the Master have a TARDIS. No, we Does haven't. Does it yeah. look exactly the same
0: as the Doctor's? Is it a police box? No, because um, he's got a functioning comedian circuit. Okay. So what does it look like? Um, it's been all kinds of things, like a sort of uh, Roman column and, right. you know. Um, Whatever a, needs a, it An be. Iron Maiden, I believe, in one uh, right. episode. So, yeah, it's been all kinds okay. of things. So um, are we are going to watch the second part of that? We, we've got that pencilled in for a little later mm-hmm. in uh, in Proceedings. Okay. So uh, I thought I'd get that look one. Look forward to that little trick. Yeah. Trip. yeah. Um, so, let's just get into the meat of... Um, we've, As usual, I've, I've jotted down quite a few questions. You've also provided a couple of questions yep. for us to discuss to just sort of get our general feeling on Series 5. So, the first thing that I really want to ask you is what is your feelings on Matt Smith specifically as the 11th Doctor, his interpretation of the character?
1: I, I've said it before, I think it's probably my favourite. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I like... He's got like the childish wonder Yes that doctors seem to have, but he just nails it.
0: Yeah. You always get a sense it's it's like it's stepping away from the kind of weariness of nine and ten. But
1: also it tenant had like an exuberant confidence. Yes. Whereas I like the vulnerability of Smith.
0: Yes. Yeah. Definitely. He's not as you don't get quite there is an arrogance, but it's a different kind of arrogance, isn't it? It's hard to put. hard to put your finger on. Yeah, but yeah, and like even things like down to the costuming, like Tennant is very like geek chic, like oh, I'm so weird and wacky, but also secretly really cool and trendy. Mm. Um, whereas Matt Smith's costume, like there, nobody can make that look cool. Yeah, except like, Matt Smith. <laughs> I mean, he he almost does. It's like things are like it's. Almost cool, but still, like, if you actually wore that in public, no one would but think I, you were cool. I think it's, like, I know this was, what, ten years ago? Mm-hmm. But I think
1: that's, like, what's perceived as being cool, cool, like, modern. It's like, we've got a respect now for people like Bill Nye, the science guy. I guess, yeah. And, you know, it's but- like academia has become cool
0: yeah yeah definitely but that's that's the kind of the vibe isn't it the tweed jacket and the and the bow tie it's mm. a kind of sort of like professorial kind of look yeah um but which i think kind of plays nicely on like he's one of the youngest actors to ever portray the doctor mm-hmm. so he's got that youthful energy and it's kind of almost offsetting that by dr- by dressing old yes and so you that helps you get the sense that like oh th- this is someone who has lived for literally hundreds of years and so you get that sense of age from it so it's like uh, people sometimes describe it as being like an old man in a young man's body basically mm. is kind of the vibe you get with uh matt smith yeah um i would go with that yeah so I, I i'll be honest as well one of my favorites i've never done an official uh like ranking of my favorite doctors mm-hmm. um and I don't, so I don't know, I couldn't tell you exactly where Matt Smith sits, but he's, I would say I, top five. Easily. I
1: really wish every time we did one of these
0: end of series wrap ups, yeah. I
1: wrote down the rankings, because I'm certain whenever we do it, it's different every time. Oh,
0: I feel like certain it is. But yeah. you know what? I, I embrace that. I embrace the fact that my, my opinions on Doctor Who are constantly in mm. flux. And like, because there have been episodes, like, I mean, last week when we were talking about Christmas Carol. I remember I'd only watched that on the once before, and I remember really enjoying it. And I was soured on it so much, yeah. and, and to be honest, I ended that episode hating it even more than I had when I was watching it. That that was an hour of nothing. <laughs> but anyway, we'll we, you know we'll we'll see where that sits in my episode rankings in in due course. Um, so moving on from the Doctor, what do you think about the companions, Amy and Rory? And I'm I'm, I'm grouping them together for yeah, the of this like, discussion.
1: Well, well, one of the questions I asked you today that we would put in the running order, is, is Amy the least rounded character of a companion? And I think, although I, like, hated Martha and I was pretty critical of her, at least I sort of knew what she was all about, whereas with Amy, we sort of have this initial meeting between her and the Doctor. Uh Uh-huh. And not much else to go on. I
0: I see what you mean. I think what we are seeing here is is a good example of the differences in approach between RTD and Moffat. Mm. RTD gives you a lot of context for his companions. We know their families. Mm. We know their their career goals. um, Things like that. We don't have that with Amy. That is definitely true. Like Move,
1: Moving forward, because obviously the series ended with their wedding yes. and the reappearance of Amy's family, Yeah, do we build on that? Do we get to meet her funny little dad or whatever she calls him and her
0: mum? Do you want me to answer that? Because I can spoil that one for you if you genuinely want me to. Um, Yeah, go on. i never let you spoil yeah. anything. <laughs> nah. No. We don't. They're just, they're just, they're a complete irrelevance. Those characters, like Amy's mum and dad, I don't th- I don't believe ever feature in an episode ever see, again. I
1: would have thought if she knows she'd lost them yeah. and they come back, that they She'd could...
0: want to see them.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe like a little bit like Jackie, like I, just tag along for one I adventure. feel
0: like a lot of that happens off screen. mm what I will say is, there is there are some significant familiar people that we've not met yet that we okay. will meet further down the line. But as a rule, I think Moffat his approach to companions is a little bit more akin to what it was like in the classic series, where it was like once you onboard the TARDIS, yeah, it almost doesn't matter where you came from and what you what you were doing beforehand. You are now just part of this adventure. You're along for the ride. Mm. So I wouldn't say one is necessarily. I I respect both approaches. I think they both have their uh, benefits and their drawbacks. I think the big drawback with the RTD approach of having all of those uh, extra people around the Companion's life and being so Companion-centric is that you're constantly getting pulled back to present-day Earth. Mm. Like, all the time, like... And it almost felt like you know in the RTD era, every other episode is it's you know you're back in London in the present day, and it's you know mm. some kind of domestic drama. Um, but but having companions that where it's like who are less rooted gives you more freedom to let the TARDIS yeah, go wherever uh, it's going to go in,
1: in old fashioned Who, yeah. Uh, of what I've seen, the companions are all relatively one dimensional
0: fairly yeah, yeah. It's it, well it depends you see I don't know whether I would agree with your the way you're, you're I, I understand what you're saying but like I to me a character can have very little backstory but still be three dimensional Yeah, because yeah. It, it what matters is their personality and their performance and how that comes across and I would say why I would push back a bit on you saying that Amy is less rounded than other companions. She has less backstory, mm. but I think it's a Karen Gillen gives a really rounded performance. You know, exactly I, who Amy is as a person. Yeah. How she's going to react to stuff. What kind of, what drives her, how she interacts with the doctor, how she interacts with Rory, what she's getting out of traveling with the doctor. I feel like we understand all of that. And, and that's what we need to know for the purposes of the stories that are being told. So, like I say, I don't think it's necessary. I don't think you're necessarily wrong to say mm. she's less rounded in the sense that we I know think, less about her. I
1: just think a lot of the stories we've seen. First of all, she becomes a background character quite easily. Yeah, you know, if
0: for in a couple mid- of them for sure.
1: Yeah, in that there are secondary characters who become like surrogate companions for the episode. Uh huh. And I don't know, I just feel... Well, I certainly hope there's more that we'll see from her.
0: There kind definitely her. is. Yeah, There definitely is. There's some... There's... Yeah. And and, and as I say, I, I'm personally of the opinion that I am much less interested in Amy as a sole companion as I am as Amy and Rory as a yeah. duo. Yeah, And I think we're even getting a little taste of that in that, that little mini-episode we saw, the kind of the... Du- the slightly cosier dynamic now that Rory is on board full yeah, time. Yeah, and
1: I think I'm going to enjoy the next series. I said yeah. it at the beginning of this series and probably the beginning of the last <laughs> is, I just don't want a romantic companion. Yeah. Like, I think now the relationships are established. Everyone knows where they stand. Yes. Let's just go on adventures.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, we also had the return of River Song yes. this series how do you feel that played out like um, are you satisfied with that yes and no mm.
1: I like where River Song has gone in this series yeah but I didn't necessarily enjoy the episode she was in as much right. as right yeah I think the episode she was in she was like one of the highlights yeah like, I don't really care about Romans at Stonehenge <laughs> you know uh, I mean that's a bad example because that episode got better as it went on yeah but like what what was the other one it was the weeping angels one yes and you know I feel like uh, cards on the tail I think River Song is going to give some sort of earth shattering information we know how important she is mm-hmm. we know that the doctor trusts her yeah but What's her deal?
0: Yeah, we we, we haven't found that out yet, for sure. We don't know what her deal is. If you had to have a guess at what her deal is, what would you say? Well,
1: she knows the doctor. Yeah. She knows his real name. Yeah. So, my guess is she's either someone from his past Mm. that, I, I don't know, could be from his very distant past. Right. She could be some sort of like Time Lord historian. Okay. From the future and knows how important he is. Yeah. She could be, I don't know, a distant relative. I know I keep banging that drum. Mm-hmm. But they're like, we know he's not the last Time War. We know he's got family all over the what place. What are you talking about? They're all dead. No, they're not. They're, they're all gone. He's got a granddaughter in the future. Yeah, but she's gone. No, Because of the Time War. No, no. Okay. Time War doesn't matter. Okay. Everyone just goes, oh, it's a <laughs> Time War. Yeah, as far as I'm concerned. Oh, like... All the Time Wars are dead. They're in the Time War, except when we need them for a plot. They can just come out, <laughs> and they can. I don't think we made enough of this. And they can throw a star <laughs> through time.
0: If you're Rassilon and you've got like that Infinity glo- God, ladies, go yeah. On. But then
1: at the end, when we don't need him anymore, he just goes back in the Time War. Yeah, the Time War's basically a box. <laughs> you know, it's just like uh, we need them, bring them out the box, but you can't. The, the Time War is absolute bullshit.
0: Alrighty, so um, another thing, on, on a sort of plot-related level as well, you, you wanted uh, us to address, in your words, who keeps talking through the cracks, and why won't he just piss off?
1: Yeah, like, we've heard the voice through the crack. Silence will fall. Right, but the first voice we heard through the crack yeah. was from the prison where Prisoner Zero was.
0: Yeah, the Atraxi. Prisoner but Zero has a group.
1: That's the only thing we've ever seen through the cracks. Yeah. Cause up the rest of the time it's just bright white lights and nothing
0: and yeah it exi- you stop existing uh-huh so like are the attractions that important? no they didn't cause the cracks they, but, they, they, they they were just chasing prisoner zero who had escaped through one of the cracks but they're what they're
1: the only thing we've seen the other side of the crack see the yeah. cracks are inconsistent at one point there's a prison the other side of it and th- later on there's just nothing.
0: Yeah, well it's not that it's not that there is a prison on the other side. It's I mean it is an extra dimensional prison. I think it like exists outside the yeah, sort of but standard if, dimension. If it's almost
1: like, you know, this distortion in space. Yeah. That's what was on the other side of the distortion. But in every other distortion there's nothing. So okay. am I reading too much into it? Are the yes. attractions and as the important ed- as I think they are? Do they ever come back? I don't think so. Which then leads to the second part of that question. You know, why won't they just piss off? This voice. Just like, silence will fall. Well,
0: it didn't. So, (laughs) get on. Well, I mean... Plus, it's all about time travel. So if silence
1: is going to fall, it's an inevitability. It'll be a fixed point in time. So it's already happened. So the Doctor should Hmm. know.
0: I mean, has it? Because, I mean, some things are fixed points in times and sometimes time can be rewritten.
1: But the end of all things is surely
0: a fixed point. If... I mean, you are making a big assumption that that's what that means. Well... What silence will fall could mean something else that we haven't even thought of yet. Maybe these questions will be answered. Just i just wish everyone
1: would stop talking in riddles.
0: That would be nice, wouldn't it? Yeah. Um, so... One thing specifically about Series 5 that... Personally, I really like, but I can see how maybe it would rub you up the wrong way, I don't know. I really like the way the finale kind of pulls in elements from everything we've seen in the, throughout the series. Yeah. like Because that felt really new at the time. Um, well, at
1: the end of Tenant, we sort of got like a greatest hits adventure, didn't we? Whereas yeah. this one, it's more interlaced Yes. At tenants yeah. it was just like remember these guys bang 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 bang. Yeah. Whereas here it's like remember this subtle
0: point that yeah. you thought
1: about at the time, but then sort of dismissed as nothing. Yeah,
0: yeah. I just felt I felt it was much more elegantly yeah. done. Like in, the whole uh, the remember series. what I said when you were young. Yeah. I remember
1: thinking, well, wh- what's he talking about? Yeah. And then
0: acknowledging the fact I didn't know, yeah. and then it all comes full and circle, and then it turns out to be one of the most poignant seeds in the whole uh, yeah. series. Yeah good stuff yeah um uh, i'm just looking at my list here um so oh oh i wanted to do this again we did this in the last uh, series four and the specials wrap up um shorter list this time mm-hmm. so i'm going to rattle, rattle through all the villains and monsters that are new for new who like some of these are classics but like yeah. this is our first time seeing them on the show Stop me when we get to one that you would actually like to see make a reappearance. So, first we've got Prisoner Zero, the Atraxy. I'm getting the feeling. Nah. nah. not bothered about that. Episode 2, Beast Below. I mean, the Star Whale turns out to be a good guy, so I can't really describe that as a monster. I guess the Smilers? That episode was shit. Alright. <laughs> uh, the Saturnins from Vampires of Venice? Uh,
1: yeah, but we got a pretty conclusive end of that. And basically, yeah. they were just vampires, but not vampires. They were space yeah. vampires. So. I don't like it. I say this all the time. I don't like it when the bad guys are something, but they're not. They're just the space version.
0: Yeah, I mean, Doctor Who might not be the show for you if Look, that's going to continue I've to be a problem. i K9 and Company. I know magic <laughs> is current, Right? Um, the Dream Lord. Yes, but unfulfilling ending. He was just a bit of pollen. But... I think there is so much room for bringing the Dream Lord back, like because he's just like a concept. The idea of like you know the Doctor could like step into some weird machine and it it manifests that bit of his psyche again or something. Yeah. Like you, there are so many ways that you could extract the Dream Lord out and I, I have another story I gave with that
1: character. That episode, a pass because I just like Toby Jones.
0: It's a great performance. Basically, yeah. I'm just saying, I want Toby Jones to come back. Yeah. Because it's, yeah. it's such a good performance. Um, Silurians. Uh, old underground lizard guys. Yeah, they were all right. Yeah. they. Although,
1: again, I don't want it just to be like, oh, there's a hole in the ground. We're back underground with the old <laughs> Silurians.
0: Yeah, it would need to be something different, wouldn't yeah. it? Yeah. Uh, we've got the Crefaeus from Vincent and the Doctor. Big old space chicken. Uh, I'll go all out. Best episode of the series, but the Creface is the worst part of the episode. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, it serves only as a metaphor, really. Yeah. And (laughs) this really amused me. So I'm trying to think, like, do they make reference in The Lodger to, like, what race the spaceship that was trying to become a TARDIS? And the answer is no. So Mm. on the TARDIS wiki, the main villain of the episode, The Lodger, is listed as 79B Aikman Road. Oh really? So do you want 79B acre? <laughs> I thought Road? you were going to say it was something like <laughs> damp rot. <laughs> but would you like that 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 house that wasn't a house to make a comeback?
1: I don't know, because again, like,
0: I don't see what else you could do with that other mm. than what was done with it. But then it's like I'm I'm really curious about like what was the alien race that
1: created then,
0: that ship to begin with? Whenever
1: we do that, we always go a step too far. Like, look yeah. at the Weeping Angels, like. Did we really need their backstory? No.
0: It's just better left alone. Hmm. So, we've talked about some of the strengths of the series. What would you say are, like, the big... What, if you had to, like, pinpoint the biggest weaknesses of Series 5 specifically? Just
1: things we've seen before. Right. I don't need any more adventures set in World War Two. Uh-huh. I don't need any more Dickensian Christmases.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um... I don't want any magical villains that aren't actually magical. They're just an alien race. You know, if I've seen space witches, I
0: don't need space vampires. Well, that space I've werewolves. seen space werewolves. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you
1: know, I think we'll see a space Frankenstein
0: next. That would be exciting, wouldn't it? Space yeah. Frankenstein. Like, Are we talking like classic, universal? V- yeah, but, yeah. Like Herman Munster. Yeah. Yeah. I'd be up for that. Yeah. Space Frankenstein. And then go, Oh, it's not a Frankenstein. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's a Space Frankenstein's monster. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um So what would you re apart from Space Frankenstein's, what else would you really love to see in series six? Like like more two parters or fewer two parters? Definitely yeah.
1: uh, The two parters only work when they're good. There's nothing worse, yeah. I've found, watching this. Than where it's a two-parter and I watch the first episode and lose interest
0: yeah and like you've got a whole other whole episode to go whole hour
1: to go you know like it's, it's no secret last night I watched four episodes of classic Doctor Who
0: yeah tune in next week for that I'm, I'm um, already very nervous about I spend a that. lot of time watching the clock so yeah if,
1: if I'm not entirely with it I'm just like
0: how have I still got an hour to watch this <laughs> well we shall see we shall see mm. what Series 6 uh, brings.
1: And I also don't like it where there's an enemy that they just defeat. I don't like it where it's just like...
0: Like an easy solution.
1: Yeah, like the best thing about the Silurians was the whole thing that when they defeated it, they'd lost.
0: Yeah, it didn't feel like a victory. Yeah, yeah.
1: so I don't like it when it's just like, oh no, what are we going to do? And they just like knock it down a hole or push it out a window. Or something.
0: I think this is this is one of the I, I think that's a really valid criticism and I think that could be applied to like not just this series but previous uh, series in the RTD era as well and I think it is a symptom of um, the fact that you're working with 45 minutes or if in the case of a two-parter an hour and a half at most mm. you know the, the fact that the Silurian two-parter was an opportunity to give something other than a an easy solution and that's mm. because it had more run time to play with Whereas when you're trying to tell a complete, satisfying story in 45 minutes, that's quite challenging. Mm. So, more often than not, I think Doctor Who does it well. But sometimes I think it does fall foul of that. and You just feel like, just ten more minutes. Just ten more minutes would have uh, given everything the breathing space it needed, maybe, to be a little more developed. But anyway, um, yeah, we, we will have to wait and see what the next series brings. Do you want to go ahead and like do your series rankings? Then? Like, where where does start at the bottom? Where where as things stand? I think
1: I would rank this fairly highly. Yeah, I can't remember. I think in the past I'd maybe put season two as my favourite.
0: I do uh... I mean, it's always been my least favourite. So yeah. Uh, This would be up there. This would be up there. Shall I tell you mine? Go on. So, Series 2 at the bottom, for Uh me. Then Series 3. Then Series 1, I think. Then Series 4, and then Series 5. Series 5 is my favourite so far.
1: Yeah.
0: I I have really enjoyed it. I have really enjoyed it. And, like, it's, it's as we've discussed, it's not without its flaws. No. But... Best of a bad book. Yeah, it's it, it, it on the ho- like. There are fewer times where I find that it's struggling to be entertaining. Even if mm. it's not brilliant, it is at least solidly entertaining most of the time. Mm. Um, which sounds like damning with faint praise, but uh, um. So shall I shall I give you my my overall my episode rankings then? Yeah, this is this is a tough, tough one for me to do because I enjoy so much. I much. Of I,
1: it. I think I have. A clear favourite. Yeah. I think I have two or three that I would rank low. Mm. And then the ones in
0: the middle are all much of a muchness. I think you're going to be very surprised with some of my rankings. Okay. So, um, you won't be surprised with this one. Bottom of the pile, Christmas Carol. Yeah. That was yeah. the one I was thinking of. Yeah. It just...
1: Like, if we hadn't watched that, it would not have mattered at all.
0: <laughs> oh, of course. But, you know, it's a Christmas special, so that's kind of the point. They have to function fairly standalone. Yeah. Um so, of the series proper, bottom of the pile is uh, Victory of the Daleks. Yeah, that is one
1: I would have ranked quite low. It's just
0: you. a bit of a jumble. It doesn't quite pull together the yeah. way it should. Next, and this might surprise you, cause I d- uh, and this is j- more a testament to the fact that I really enjoy basically everything else in this series to varying degrees. Hungry Earth, Cold Blood.
1: Uh, I I would have scored that higher.
0: Yeah, I think you enjoyed it more than me. Mm. I, I I don't think it's bad, but I think it could have done with another draft. There, to there's really certainly tie bad it up. bits. Yeah. You know, the whole kid with dyslexia. Yeah, it's it's clunky at times. Yeah. I think I feel like um but there's some really good stuff in there and I do enjoy it. Uh next up is the beast below. Yeah, which is a bit of a, a bit shambolic at times. Typical episode but... 2. Yeah. It's just like, they never seem to know what they're
1: doing in episode two. I know every every series, it's like, yeah. let's go to the future, let's go to the past. Yeah. But I would say the best episode two we've seen is season one,
0: the Lady Cassandra one. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, no, I really, I, I quite like The Beast Below, and it's grown on me more with every watch, actually. I feel like it's a bit of a grower that one, but
1: could not have cared less. I, of I think it's episode. it's got
0: so many good ideas in it. They're just not none. Some of them aren't really fleshed out as much mm. as I would like. I feel like, like I mean, Liz Ten is such a good character. I would love to spend more time with Liz Ten, but we get like five minutes of her being a badass, and then yeah. that's it. You know. Um. So, uh, number seven, Vampires of Venice. Yeah. It's it's a romp, isn't it? It's a good episode, but again, it's just like, are we magic? Are we not magic? Who knows? (laughs) Uh, And then another rompy one, The Lodger, at number six. Yeah, that'd be up there for me. I quite liked it, but again, the ending, I was a bit of a letdown. Yeah. Uh, Number five, I've got Amy's Choice.
1: Okay, yeah.
0: Which is really solid, but I feel like once you've seen it once or twice, I think it loses a bit of its impact. I enjoyed it, but I, I wouldn't, Go back to it again. Yeah. Uh, Number four, Vincent and the Doctor.
1: That would have been my number one,
0: I think. Yeah. It would have been a lot of people's number one, to be fair. Um, I enjoy it a lot, but and it makes me cry every time. But having said that, also, there are times when I just cannot handle the mawkishness of it. Yeah. So it's one of those ones where I have to be in the right frame of mind. Yeah, I
1: think I was in the right mood to watch it. I think if I was, you know, if I'd had a bad day at work, I don't want to watch a space chicken yeah. in a church.
0: And that's the thing, and it's like it's it's just one of those episodes that's just like it's it's such a big departure in some ways. And mm. sometimes I just want good old fashioned bread and butter Doctor Who, and it's not that kind of episode. Yeah. So, speaking of which, number three, the Eleventh Hour. Now you're much cooler on this one than me, yeah. But I think for my money, it is the best introductory episode for a new Doctor, classic or modern. There has never I, been a better I, one. I, I didn't mind it, but it was quite slow. And... I think it would be interesting to revisit it one day. Yeah. Now that you really get a sense of, you know who Matt Smith's Doctor is. And if you go back and watch it, you'll be like, oh my God, he really hits the ground running. Like, from the moment he appears, he is the Doctor. Mm. Few, there are, like some, some Doctors take like a whole series to warm up. But he's just there right out the bat, and I think that's that's commendable. Number two, I've got Pandorica opens with the Big Bang. It's a really strong finale. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, that. there's some good bits.
1: I, I think I preferred the second half to the first half. Yeah.
0: I, I love all of it, to be honest. Mm. It's and I like how different the two parts feel. Mm. Which I think is always a good sign for a two parts. If they can like if it feels like a continuous story, but each episode almost not quite stands alone, but has its own identity to it, and I think it does that very well. Um, and then number one, "Time of Angels, Fresh and Stone." I'll hear none of your naysaying. Would not be up there for me. None of it. I yeah. love that episode. I. It's so moody, and like, and you know, uh, I, I like as father, Octavia. Yeah,
1: I like the gone. idea of more weeping angels. Certainly, like trapped in a labyrinth yeah. with them, where they could be round any corner. But like, there's all the hokey shit where Amy watches one on a camera. Love it. And it comes from nowhere.
0: Magnificent scene. Won't hear a word against uh, it. And then the bit at the end where they can talk. Yeah, love it. No, I love all of it. Um, honestly, it's one of those ones that I could like. Doesn't matter what kind of a day I've had. I could throw that on. Bag of popcorn. I'm happy. Yeah, not my favorite. Yeah. So there you go. Not my favorite. One more thing to do before we watch uh, the second part of our Red Nose Day mini-episode. Mm-hmm. And that is a little thing that I would like to call the How Much Has Matt Been Paying Attention Quiz <laughs> RTD Edition. Okay. you might I, I, I think you edit, you're editing this one. If you want to throw in some like quiz yeah. tense yeah. music un, under this as a bed... Feel free. It's been a whole series since you watched RTD's era, yeah. So it's just five questions, all multiple choice. Yeah, I've done one question for each of the series and one for the specials. So. Yeah. So, question one: What was the name of the space station that bro- broadcast TV news and later game shows in series one? Is it A, Satellite Three? No. B, Satellite Four. No. C satellite five or D satellite six.
1: See, I thought it was satellite nine. So <laughs>
0: I'm going to go with six. Okay. You would be incorrect. Was it five? It was five. Ah, that yeah. rhymes with nine. It does, though, it? yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah there was there was definitely a bit of a sense memory lingering there, wasn't there? So question two. What was the name of the universal theory the Crititanes were attempting to crack in a school reunion? Is it A, the Scovox problem? Is it B, the Skexis paradox? Is it C, the Scardis proposal? Or is it D, the Skexis paradigm?
1: I'm going to go with D, the Skexis paradigm.
0: You would be correct! Yeah. For reference, Skexis, if you know the Dark Crystal, they're the baddies in that. Okay. And Scardis is an item of furniture from IKEA. (laughs) Right.
1: Scovox
0: Scovox is a reference to something you've not seen in Doctor Who yet. Right.
1: Now, Sco Union's like etched in my memory as like
0: bringing back Sarah Jane. (laughs) I'll never forgive them. So for series three, I've gone with a blink-related question. Okay. Yeah. yeah. a favourite episode? How many DVDs does Sally Sparrow own? Okay. Is it A seventeen? B fourteen? C twelve or D nine.
1: Again, my initial thought was she owns seven. So... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, was eleven
0: an option there? No, it's 17 14 12 or nine. I'm gonna go twelve. I afraid the correct answer was seventeen. You see, really, you thought seven, seven again. It, so you again, you, you half knew it, didn't you? Anyway, so question four: several missing planets are mentioned throughout series four. Yep All of which are later revealed to be part of Davros's reality bomb Which of these are not amongst the 27 stolen planets? Yep A. Pyravillia B. Croptor C. The Lost Moon of Poosh Or D. Clom Right, Lost Moon of Pooch definitely was there
1: Yep So I'm going to
0: go for B Croptor Yeah You are correct That is the impossible planet from the second ah, bit right Two-parted Um, (laughs) And question five In what year did the Bowie Base 1 disaster occur As depicted in the waters of Mars Is it A 2089 B 2079 C 2069 You can see where I'm going with this D 2059 I'm going to go 2089 The answer is D 2059 Oh Thirty eight uh, only 30 years oh, yeah. I guess 40, 40 years but yeah they need to pull their finger out don't they
1: mm.
0: there you go so um, you scored I wasn't really keeping I track think I think got 2 2 out of
1: 5 I'm, I'm not disappointed in <laughs> myself I'm not proud but I'm not
0: disappointed uh, it's not bad going I think for someone who let's be clear still if I were to ask you right now do you like Doctor Who
1: I, I wouldn't Please say I like it. warming to
0: it, listeners. I don't, I don't fear watching it for this <laughs> podcast. You see, there are times where I do more than I used to. To be honest, but just there are times where I'm just like, oh god, we got to do that episode. That's like like say, the last, last night, thing I want I to watched do. Two hours of classic Who. I mean, and I was every, like,
1: oh fuck's sake! Like every after single work time I came home, had my tea, <laughs> and I was like, what have I got to do tonight? I'll do some work for work. Oh, no, no. Two hours of Davison.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, you've got that to look forward to next week, uh, listeners. Before we go, though, we've got a whole other mini episode of Doctor Who to watch. Mm. So let's hit pause on the record uh, and see where that takes us. So there you go another three minutes of concentrated Moffats yeah. like you know we had our space loop now we got a time loop because the man can't help himself
1: has has <laughs> dr who ever been called out for sexism
0: I mean yes Moffat specifically has really yeah um and you can see it in in that to in those mini episodes like you can tell this is the man that wrote coupling
1: yeah but uh, has he had a lot of backlash? Or is it just literally people just call him
0: out? Oh, I'm off at backlash. That is... Really? You could write dissertations on it. If... Not if just you, for the sex, If you had to
1: summarise... Yeah. How, how does the fandom view the RTD era? Uh,
0: the, I think it's tricky to make sweeping generalisations about the fandom. Because I think part of the beauty... Of Doctor Who fandom. Is that because it is such a varied show. There are defenders for literally everything. Let, let me let me rephrase
1: so, the question. Yeah. Because my next question was going to be. How do they view the, the Moffat, Moffat era? era
0: yeah. which,
1: which is viewed more favourably in general?
0: I genuinely don't. It's almost 50-50. It I don't is. know that I could um, say definitively. Um, and I don't necessarily want to say which is my favourite, uh, of the two. Um, I think opinions, when Moffat was kind of in the middle of it, like there was a very vocal contingent of fans who despised him Mm -hmm. for all number of reasons, some legitimate, some very manufactured, um that has softened a little bit because now we've got a new scapegoat in the form of Chris Chimble, who is the current showrunner. Yeah. So now there's almost... You, you're you getting that kind of wave of backlash to the backlash and rose-tinted glasses maybe and papering over some of the very legitimate flaws. And as I say, I think as much as I find that those two mini-episodes quite entertaining, because they are they are well-written and clever and funny, but also there is definitely a sexist... Undercurrent yeah, yeah. to the jokes, and I don't think that would have been made like, now. now. like now this, is, this is ten it. years ago. We've but... never
1: seen a female companion sexualized as much as Amy.
0: No, definitely not. I mean, and it's it's there from the the the, the opening moments when do she's you, a flipping kissogram in a in a sexy police and lady again, costume. Again,
1: I don't want to make like a sweeping generalization. Yeah, do you think that? links to RTD's personal
0: sexual preference. I I think it probably does to an extent. I, you know, because if you look at how he approached sexual politics, Hmm. it's definitely present in his writing. Yeah, but
1: it was almost like absolute flamboyancy. Yes. It was just
0: anything can... As best exemplified by Captain Jack, who is just this omnisexual... I I thought you were going to talk about fucking cats again. (laughs) (laughs) That hasn't cropped up in a while. Yeah, thank God um but in fact there's a yeah. netflix show called you don't fuck with cats <laughs> wouldn't apply to me apparently yeah uh <laughs> yeah. um, but yeah i, I so yeah I, I think there is there I, is an I've argument always, to be made
1: i've always right. criticized rtd for his romantic approach yeah with companions but there was never really a sexual approach
0: no it's especially with like it was always fairly chaste, really, isn't it? Even though yeah. it's romantic. Yeah,
1: if you look There's at distinction like rose, to there, like the absolute climax of her like story. Yeah. is the doctor telling her he loved her? Yeah, that was what it was all building to. Yeah, it was never just like oh you <laughs> yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> that's the thing. It's like there is there is definitely a grubbiness at times to the way Moffat writes. Yeah, uh, for uh amy pond i think it's hard for me to say for definitively i think it does settle down certainly moffat's overall approach to writing women i think does evolve during his time on the show Mm. but remember he was writing the show for the best part of a decade right so and and quite an interesting decade in terms of wider media representations of various things you look at the start of the twi- where we started the twenty tens and where we ended it. Mm. It's been a period of very rapid change, and I think. I, I know it it's easy for me
1: as a white male to talk about like the Me Too movement. Yeah and you yeah. know, things like Weinstein and yeah. Epstein. But it's been massive. The shift yeah. is
0: huge. Yeah, it really is. And and and, and uh, undeniably a good thing, mm. I think it's fair to say. Uh but Back yeah, so. back
1: in twenty ten,
0: yeah, when we first got Matt Smith, yeah,
1: was it feasible that they could have announced a fe- female Doctor Who instead?
0: Yeah, what do you and think? Nothing precluding.
1: Do it. you think that would have been handled as well by the fandom as it is now? Because there were. Absolute arseholes outspoken about the Doctor being a female. Yeah. You know, this fictitious race. In
0: some ways, I think the backlash would have been less severe. Mm. But also, I wouldn't have wanted 2010-era Moffat writing a female Doctor. Because I don't think he would have handled it as cleverly as he would later in his career.
1: I've not watched any Jodie Whittaker.
0: Yeah. Does...
1: Her character, obviously written by a man, yeah. have romantic links to anybody?
0: Not so far.
1: Do you think they're maybe dodging that for persecution of like? I don't a think, man writing.
0: I don't a think woman? they. I don't think they are so much as the fact that it doesn't make sense for her portrayal.
1: Mm.
0: I, I think when you when you start to get uh, uh, watch Jodie's performance. She's just one of those very asexual kind of do, doctors.
1: Does she have predominantly male companions? Because every... With the exception of Rory... Predominantly,
0: both, yes. We've yeah. seen male doctors... She's got, she's got quite a crowded TARDIS on the go. She's got right. three uh, full-time companions, okay. two of which are men. Right. So you've got a very balanced cast, really. And, you know, two, two men, two women, two people of colour, one older character. Do, do they so. operate
1: for want of a better term, more like a Scooby gang? Yeah, a Or is she bit, yeah. still very much the leader? You know, like, we've seen it with, certainly with Tennant and a little bit with Matt Smith, where it's like, I'm in charge, you do exactly what I say.
0: Hmm. Well, it- I I think, no, and not to quite the same extent, and I don't think that's got anything to do with her gender. I think it's just the type of Doctor she is. She actually reminds me very much of the Doctor we will be discussing next week. Oh, really? i.e. Peter Davison, the Fifth Doctor, yeah. who was a bit more placid, a bit more hands-off. Mm. Um, and I think that's the vibe I'm increasingly getting with Whittaker's take on the Doctor. Mm. And I'm I'm there for it. Mm. Full disclosure, I'm a big fan of the Fifth Doctor. And yes. I am terrified to hear your opinions on uh, the episodes we were discussing next week, uh, which are uh, Enlightenment. Mm -hmm. Parts one to four. Um, Which, uh, if you've never watched before, please do go ahead and watch those listeners. Um, Now available legally on BritBox. Yeah. Which is exciting. Yeah. Um,
1: Um, I I have family. So my my wife's uncle lives in America. Yeah. And we, we recently had dinner over the Christmas period when he was in the country. And he was like, I don't get it. Why would people in Britain pay... To watch free-to-air television, <laughs> and I said to him how you'd spun it to me. I was like, yeah. "Oh, it's the only place that you can legally watch the entire back catalogue of Doctor Who." Yeah. And he was like, "I, I think I'm going to subscribe." <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I didn't realise, but yeah, my yes. wife's uncle's a, a fan of classic Doctor Who, so I was able yeah. to like talk to him. Now the bad news yeah. is he said his favourite villains were the Cybermen, and mm. I was like that uh, made me respect your opinion slightly well, you, see,
0: you see, the thing is, if you watched a b- more classic Cybermen, you might feel differently. Mm. Or, in fact, you know, who knows when they'll next show up in in, uh, in this uh, iteration of the show. Hopefully but, never.
1: <laughs> Hopefully they all died.
0: Well, well, we'll have to wait and see, won't we? But anyway, so next week we'll be discussing uh, Enlightenment, Uh, For the very uh, studious ones out there, Enlightenment is technically the third part of a loose trilogy, the Black Guardian trilogy. So if you've really got time on your hands over the coming week, I strongly recommend you also watch Mordrin Undead and Terminus... To really build up to uh, Enlightenment, uh, but or you could do what Matt did and begrudgingly watch just, just the four. And tell me all the time, don't, don't do you. that. It's and not how you're supposed but, to watch it. But
1: as soon as we finish recording, I'm like, oh, I've got two weeks, I've got all the time in the world to watch <laughs> this. And then I'm like, oh, it's the weekend, I'm not going to waste my time watching uh, this. And it gets to the
0: night before, I'm like, oh, balls. Uh, I think my record, I once watched four hours of Doctor Who back to back. That's just not healthy, is it? No, it's not good. You're not looking after yourself. I, I, there. I wonder
1: if I could plot like my episode rates <laughs> against like which one I watch first, which one I watch last. Probably, yeah.
0: I think it probably does have an impact. But anyway, so that's going to be an interesting discussion. So join us next week for that. Until then, thanks ever so much for listening, and cheerio. Bye now. <laughs>